This podcast is brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those that love to make and drink great beer. Learn more online or subscribe at beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at Craft Beer Brew. Start off 2018 right with a trip to Breckenridge, Colorado for the annual Big Beers, Belgians, and Barley Wines Festival. January 4th through 6th, meet top brewers from around the country, enjoy world-class skiing and snowboarding, attend special beer dinners, and taste some strong, inventive, and warming beers with fellow enthusiasts. Check out bigbeersfestival.com for more information. Welcome to the broadcast. I'm John Hall, senior editor of Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine, and we're in downtown Denver today recording a few shows during the annual Great American Beer Festival. And you know, if you think that choosing the right beer to buy is hard, try selling it. My guest today is Ted Whitney, who after career selling wine, came over to the beer aisle, first for Avery Brewing and then to the West Coast where he helped 21st Amendment grow and make gains in the market. And now he's in Wyoming, helping Melvin Brewery open new markets and getting uh, all punny and uh, the Hop Forward Ales into the hands of thirsty customers. He's one of the good guys in the industry, a hell of a conversationalist, as you'll soon find out. And if you can keep up with him, he's a fine drinking companion. Uh, Ted, welcome to the program. Thanks, John. Uh, I want to find, I just want to start um, by asking you, your first weekend working for Melvin, uh, you had a breaking and entering incident, and <laughs> I think we need to address it. It's the uh, Melvin elephant in the room. Uh, mm. Tell us what happened. Well, nothing got broken, which was, it was very fortunate. It was a cold night. My flight got messed up. I got in late, and I said, Tofty, where are you staying in Breck? And he just sent me one of those stupid iPod pins. Right, you were at the... Uh, it was literally just a pin. Big Beers, Belgians, and Burley Wines Festival. Yep. Yeah. So this pin lands in a neighborhood, and I was like, all right, well, uh, I'll probably sort it out. You know, it's going to be obvious, because who would just send a pin on a negative 30-degree night? Sure. So I get all the way up to Breckenridge. Come to find out it's your new colleagues, but yeah. <laughs> he's a good friend. Yeah. He, he's consistent. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I, I get up to Breckenridge. It's all of like 3 in the morning, and I park my car, and I look, and the pin is dropped right in between three houses. And I've got to pick the house that looks like the house they're staying in. Tofty says, dude, we, we throw out a blanket on a couch and, you know, you're square. Just let yourself in and you'll be fine. So I open up this door and I'm looking around and I'm thinking like, wow, there's a lot of family pictures in here for an Airbnb. Like, this is kind of weird. And I, I sniff around and I get in the kitchen and I'm looking for some food and, you know, checking out the beer selection. They're drinking Colorado Native and Coors Light. And I was like, well, that's out of character. Maybe they drank everything else. But there was one bottle from the brewery in the fridge. All right. Like, All right well, yeah, that's legit. All right, cool. So we... we kind of get through the night I sit down on the couch I look over and there's this like super nasty well loved by a dog blanket on the couch with a pillow that I'm pretty sure was well loved by the dog too I was like fucking tofty man and I I lay down in this stinking blanket and I'm so tired I just fall asleep and about six in the morning I hear a bunch of people talking they're all whispering they're going who who is that guy what's going on over there and they're all up in ski gear and they're being super nice they left all the lights out and they're like quietly making breakfast and I can hear him going back and forth and I'm thinking like oh well Tofty's friends don't know that I'm up here but that's right you were new to the, to the company yeah yeah. so I just I kind of roll over and like harumph and go back to sleep for a few more hours and I, I kind of get up and take a shower go to the bathroom and making breakfast and I'm looking around and thinking like man it's weird no one texted me so I shoot Tofty a text and I was like hey man where are you and he goes in the house I was like what where in the house <laughs> in the kitchen and I was like I'm in the kitchen Oh my God! <laughs> what, what's that address again? And he shoots me the address. I was in the wrong house. Wow! So I, I walked down the driveway and 
into the right house and went out and bought those guys a bottle of tequila and thanked them for not shooting me. Sure. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, yeah, that's 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 a hell of a way to start <laughs> off uh, the weekend. Like, you're now that guy. Yeah, uh, that guy on the couch. Luckily, in Breckenridge, you can leave your door open and not shoot someone for sleeping on your couch. I started off by, by saying that you're in sales, but I, I, how do you characterize to people, if you're at a, at a cocktail party that's not in the beer industry, uh, how do you say what it is that you do? I usually start with pornography and see where they want to go from there. Sure, of course. And then typically come back around to admitting that I help people buy the things they're already looking for. <laughs> no one likes to be sold to. Everybody needs to buy, so I help people buy stuff that's better than what they would have chosen on their own. Yeah, I can... No, I just I, broke John's face. You did a little bit because I mean that's that's sort of counterintuitive to the way that I think a lot of us consumers uh, feel that 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 we're treated. I mean, what brought you to that realization? What brought you to that approach to sales? The look on someone's face when I tried to sell them something. Really? Yeah. Um, standing in the beer aisle, I used to do a lot of hand sales, and you talk to people about beer. Hey, what are you looking for? How can I help you out? And everyone hates to have someone sell them something because it's an uncomfortable situation. Sure. People don't want to tell you no. They don't want to look right at you and say, well, I'm not really that interested in what you're offering. Everybody wants to be nice and they don't want to confront you. And I learned real quick that you've got to figure out what it is that people are looking for and then show them how you offer what they're looking for. And that's what sales is. It, it sounds like manipulation, but it isn't. It's it's better understanding what somebody wants. And if somebody wants something I don't offer, I'm happy to show them something that I love. Like uh, one of my favorite things, Melvin doesn't make a brown beer. Mm-hmm. Someone will ask me for a brown beer, an American style brown with nice flinty finish. And, and we'll find something that's Who is asking for that? Like I want to shake these people's hands because it's there's not enough. It's rare. Yeah. It's I like, mean, oh, it... you're from like <laughs> London or something. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. Uh, but you can walk them over to the cooler and you, you make a friend forever when you share your, your excitement for something that you really dig on. Like Ellie's Brown Ale is one of my favorite browns ever. And everyone I turn on to or turn on to that beer gets so excited about it. And when you have that person come back in and see you in like five weeks, right? Like, Dude, what else do you got? What else can I show you? And I love teaching staffs how to do that as well. You, you, you don't sell the people. You just help them find stuff that you're stoked on. The breweries that you've worked for, Avery, 21st Amendment, uh, Melvin, you've seemed excited to work for them. Oh, yeah. I mean, but I also run into people who just kind of treat it like a job, and you've sort of treated it differently. Why are you going to do something for 60 and 70 hours a week if you're not super excited about what you're doing? And for me, it's there, there's a deeper level to sales. You know, it's not just about punching a clock and showing up. That, that's an important part of things. Sure. But I think what we do as an industry is we help people realize that there's more experience offered out there. And we, we share our excitement for what we do for a living. You know, so many people look at this little flavor map of beer and they think that, God, I remember walking into bars years ago and they'd be like, what, what the hell are you doing, man? Well, I'm selling beer. We already have all three beers. Right. Bud Miller and Coors. You're like, well, you've got this little tiny flashlight on a humongous flavor map. And I'm here to help you back that flashlight up. There, there's IPAs and Browns and Goldens and th- there's so many awesome beers out there. And when we get to share that with people, it's really exciting for me. And I think it, it filters into the rest of their life too. We're, we're here to help people realize that 
they shouldn't just swallow what they're being fed. They should seek out things that are worth being stoked about. And I think at this point, it's it, it's helpful to sort of back up to 37,000 feet because people who might be listening to this might be going, yeah, we know that there's all this stuff out there. And we know that there's, you know, more than Bud Miller and Coors. But we also have to remember that the, the whole craft uh, segment is still like 12% of the marketplace. So it's that 88% uh, mm-hmm. That I think that you're talking about trying to talk to, and yeah. in the early days when you when you came over from wine, I just want to back up to that. What was the thing that surprised you when you jumped from wine over to beer that beer wasn't doing back then? That was just like your, how do you guys not see this? The stunning lack of money paid to salespeople. Really? Oh my God! It's just a simple living wage. It's that. Um, I, it wasn't even a living wage. Okay. I couldn't have jumped over to beer if I didn't get a huge wine bonus that basically paid my salary for about three years. Wow. Yeah. That's everybody, the sound you just heard is everybody putting this on pause and now going to like the, the wine uh, website, still looking for <laughs> jobs now <laughs> at, at this point. But, but So you were subsidized by wine from your previous gig yep. uh, to work for Avery, essentially. Yeah, totally. Uh, I, I couldn't have done it otherwise. Um, I think the other thing that we don't do in beer is... Well, it, it's a compliment to beer. We don't ever get pretentious about what we do. We, we try to be as inclusive as possible. And I think that the wine world's taken some cues from that, too. You know, they started to realize that if you're an asshole, nobody wants to party with you. Is that one of the reasons you jumped over? Honestly, no. I think that I kind of, I, I enjoyed that, that little arrogant piece that I know stuff you don't know and I get to hold it over you. And it wasn't until I grew up as a person that I realized that that's just not fucking cool. So, backing up then, when, when, when you're out there and talking about beer for the first time and you're talking to the 88%, you know, mm-hmm. what, what do you find as the biggest hurdle to get over? Like, you forget, to forget to like calling you for, a hippie. Really? Well, it, it, people have this idea. You, you go out to, to talk to people who haven't really been exposed to craft and who haven't really been exposed to having a lot of choice in, in what they consume. And sometimes they, they treat what we offer as an affront to how they live their lives. And it's really hard to break it down. It's really tough to, to tell them like, hey, dude, I'm not here to threaten you and I'm not here to judge you and I'm not here to, to tell you your choices have been bad. They've just been limited and I want to open things up. And to break down hostility there takes some talking. But hasn't that been the conditioning that they've gotten for so many years? Yeah, people like World Bev, man. <laughs> mess you up. That's what we're calling uh, Anheuser Busch and Bev these days is World Bev. Oh, whoever. We okay. were over in Brussels the other day, and I wanted to put a poo bag on their step, but we didn't get over to their office. We got messed up at <laughs> Secur- Motor Lambic. Security wouldn't let you in. <laughs> we're close. Called us hippies. We Close hear about cheese and shut up. We hear about uh, you know it, it, so the twelve percent of beer drinkers hear about you know World Bev or you know the the, the larger brewing companies which do have uh, a stronghold on this industry and mm-hmm. you know we we've heard for a while that once you've seen the light of craft it's time to uh, make them the enemy and 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 I don't know if that's necessarily the the, the right attitude to have I know that there's this us versus them mentality uh, that 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 sort of permeates uh, all of craft uh, you know these days but they are uh, a brewery uh, or a beer company that makes and sells beer and they do it successfully um, but on a personal level then when you're out working for whatever brand you've been working for what has formed your opinions? Like, what have been the interactions with World Bev or whatever we're calling them uh, that have formed, you know, what you just said a second ago? 
Because it can't be as simple as somebody else told me to do this. Like this actually comes from practical experience. For me, it's it's their disdain for consumers. It's their disdain for beer fans. It's their disdain for the industry. Um, you know, there are people who are big beer companies that do great things for the rest of the industry. Like Coors has gone out of their way to help craft brewers for years. And it's been amazing. They'll, they'll run samples for guys. They'll send their brewers over to say, hey, you know, you've recognized an issue and we're here to help out. We can look at your stack fan or wh whatever it happens to be and help you guys out. And that's been incredible for craft brewers. Then there are people like WorldBev, the, the InBev guys, who are limiting choice. They're kicking us out of, out of chain sets. They're offering pay-to-play solutions. I mean, one of my favorite phone calls in the last year was in San Francisco when the guys from, from InBev came in for a Super Bowl and they're offering $250 a handle to retailers to switch out to their, their items. So they're going into bars and they're saying, hey, Straight you have... offering money. Yeah. I called them up and, you know, this is when I was at 21st Amendment and said, hey, we've got 10 handles on. I'll take 25 grand. Like, come on by. Right. They, they didn't think it was funny <laughs> at all. Uh, we also immediately declared goose hunting season. Okay. So all our reps got Makita drills, and we went out there, and every goose handle we got, we put a, a drill right through the head, and we got to wear the goose head around. Wow. But it's messed up, man. Like, the, the pay-to-play stuff is rampant, and it goes on more than people realize. And I think because the three-tier system is kind of a Hogwarts, it's kind of this magical behind-the-scenes thing, a lot, of, a lot of beer fans don't realize how much they're being manipulated and, and how much they're limiting their own choices by supporting big companies who could care less about how good the beer is coming out. So expand on that. I mean, we have time. And, mm -hmm. and I think that the three-tiered system, you and I have talked offline uh, about this uh, a lot in the past. And it's it's not as easy as explaining it in one or two sentences. So, I mean, you sort of teed it up. So now hit it off the mark. All right. Um, well, three-tier system, it, it's a, a concession made after prohibition that was meant to keep the mafia out of distributing beer. The odd part is the... How'd that go? <laughs> great for them. <laughs> A lot of them just legaled up and they yeah. said, all right, cool. Well, we can write legislation that makes sure that we'll always have a three-tier system and that limits the access of other distributors in the market as well as creates franchise law so that we, we have to be selling these brands for life. We're just, we're married once a, a brand comes into house. Now that was all well and good when we had three beer brands in the country, but now with 5,000, it really limits the ability of a brand to access the market. It, we, we have to go through a distributor. We have to be sold in a book of thousands of other beers where we've got 10 times more breweries in the country than we did 10 years ago, we have half as many distributors as we had at the same time. And it's setting up a, a really difficult situation, but people are starting to turn it around and starting to take advantage of the opportunity in the market. And you have these small boutique distributors popping up with reps who are so excited to share this incredible book of craft beer. And I, I think we're gonna see an interesting three to five years because the, the consolidation reached a breaking point and now we've got a lot of opportunity for people to come into the market, offer new beers, offer better options, offer better pricing for everybody so that breweries can afford to pay their entire staff a living wage. So that we can, at Melvin, we're committed to having everyone who works for us retire a millionaire if you save enough money. Sure. I would love to set up a pension fund and we might do that too, that's still on the table. Um, but we're able to do that because our beer costs a little more. We're, we're not in a race to the bottom. We're we're making decisions that ask our consumers to pay a little bit more for a better product, a better beer, and for the lifestyle that our staff can live. So we can afford to buy our guys ski passes and we can afford to pay everybody enough money that they can have health care and they can, they can have a home and they can have a family. And I think that when you support a company like Melvin or support another independent craft brewer, what you're really supporting isn't just a great beer. 
it, it's also the lifestyle that they they can offer their staff, and that's an important choice to make. How do you convince the folks who are just saying beer is beer to to see it that way? By drinking a beer with them. Okay. You crack the top, and if you can get is them it, to is drop it really beer, retail politics at this point? Is it just glad handing and door to door? That's that's the best way I've ever found to do it. Now, you can also do things like we're doing here today. We're, we're filling a commercial with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Right. Um, you know, we, we make a big splash. We just bought a, a bunch of T-shirt cannons and a T-shirt Gatling guns. We're, we're offering T-shirts to everybody at GABF. That There are ways to get the name out there, and hopefully it gets people to, to select a Melvin when they're out at retail. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think at the end of the day, the only thing that will ever convince somebody to come back is a great beer in a can or a bottle. Okay. Actually, can. Sure, Let's uh, you be guys. Honest. So Melvin just exclusively cans. Yeah, we can only afford a canning line. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, until I, we start bottling, then bottles are awesome. So Avery obviously bottles, but uh, but twenty one eight did not. Uh, cans only. Cans only. So yeah. uh, that sort of helped uh, as well. Um, and we talked in the past. I mean, you were you were head of national sales when you were at Twenty First Amendment, mm-hmm. uh, and you guys had watermelon wheat. So I mean, basically, like yeah. like you didn't have to do anything. Oh, dude. My, my least favorite four words. Yeah. I can't count words very well. Uh-huh. Beer sells itself. Uh-huh. It's, it's such a lame thing to say, but every now and again, you're like, well, all right, whatever, man. Screw you. It's true. It sold itself. Sure. Uh, those were great summers. Yeah. How do you... You've jumped around to, a, uh, to three different breweries now. Um you know, in the two, Avery has a, a pretty big footprint. Uh, it's in a bunch of states. Uh, I don't know how many, but 30 plus. Yeah, they say uh, about big feet. Well, mm-hmm. big shoes. Uh, same thing with big 21st beers? Amendment, you big know, uh, both coasts. Um, Melvin is still small. Melvin is only We're in a kind hand. of a medium deal. Okay, well, <laughs> but it, it's not as big a footprint as the places. And no. somebody who might be looking at the resume might say, well, why jump over? Why go. Smaller. Wayne, the, the, the great one, always said, don't play to where the puck is, play to where the puck's going. Mm-hmm. And I think that Melvin is way ahead of the game. Uh, the thing, we're making great beers, and it, it really is some of the best beer I've ever had in my life. And boy, I've had some really great beers. Um, but we're doing it in a way that I'm really proud of. We're taking care of our staff. We're, we're thinking forward about what's the market going to do, and how can we have more fun with it? You know, it we really live by the tenant that if it's not madness, it's not beer. And I mean, you, you guys came out for madness days. You saw how we live and it, it's a lifestyle. This wasn't like a gimmick. It's not, it's not setting up a fake village in the middle of. Yeah. Yeah. Where anything can happen. Yeah, whatever. Bill. Yeah. Ooh, deliciously almost coated beer. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we we're very authentic and, I think that when you can have a job that allows you to live the life you want to live, it's, it's not just about punching the clock. It's about getting paid to do the stuff you do for free anyhow. 98% of my workday is something that I do for fun. The other 2% is expense reports, and I hate those. Sure. But, you know, but you get your money yeah, back. Yeah, spend so the money. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's a good thing. Can a brewery change? 
over time? I mean, so Absolutely. so right now, though, I mean, so right now, people who are learning about Melvin and people who learned about Avery in the early days of Avery and people who, you know, learned about 21st Amendment in the early days, I, I think the breweries have evolved and changed over time so that, you know, they're not the way that they were when they first started. And so how do you keep, you know, from your position and being out there and selling, like, how do you keep as, as things evolve, how do you keep people interested? Ooh. I think that you need to start with a really good set of core values that always guide your decision making. And so long as you honor those and you're true to what you want to do, um, I don't want to say the magic just happens, but the magic just happens. Well, I, you know, I think that that's true. I mean, there's certain breweries that we can point to who do that quite well. I mean, Sierra Nevada is probably the biggest example of that. I mean, from, from day one. They've mm-hmm. been like that, and it's one mm-hmm. of the reasons that they're still, you know, I mean, sales were flat last year for Pale Ale, but, you know, they weren't down well, like everybody else I think that's an interesting was. metric, too. Uh, how much more distribution can Sierra gain? Like, mm-hmm. holy Christ, man, they sell beer out of my fridge at home. Mm-hmm. It's like, what? <laughs> well, that's, that's interesting. When that happen? Right. <laughs> they're like, oh, we ran out of stores to sell it in, so we're just going to people now. Well, that's... Um, but how can you get of an growth? idea. You should so market that. The idea, yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> a dispenser. Swipe yeah. your card. You can have a beer. Right. So oh, you want eggs, too? too? Yeah, there it is. <laughs> oh, look at that. It's, uh, we're drinking mm. the same beer. It's worth staring at each other in the eyes. This is sexy in here. Yeah. This, <laughs> this show's going to get weird. Every it's going to get weird. Yeah. <laughs> but, all right. So, if sales isn't the metric, then... Hmm? Oh, I wanted... Yeah. So, with Sierra... Um, I don't understand why we always have to measure growth as the sole indicator of health. With someone like Sierra, they've got a great business. I mean, they're not doing poorly. I'm pretty sure they're about paid off on that new brewery. Right, which is incredible. Yeah, at what point do you say, we've got hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue and ends are meeting like a motherfucker. We're doing all right. We yeah. don't need to show 15 points of growth. And they're a privately held company. Mm-hmm. I think stockholders need to be down-prioritized as... Um, the object of, of corporate America. You know, stockholders are someone who supports a company, but their interest shouldn't be the only thing that we work towards. And that it gets us in a lot of trouble nationally. As beer, maybe we can start up a movement where we say we can live a very comfortable life at 50,000 barrels in production or 20,000 or whatever it is, and we don't need to grow further. We're, we're here to pay our employees a fair living wage. We're here to be good members of our of our community. We're here to put on charity events that are going to allow us to um, help other people out. We're, we're supporting an event on Friday night that's going to be uh, funding water for people as well as the Chill Foundation. And I, I think that we, we owe it to each other to give back whenever we can. And that doesn't always involve growth. It doesn't involve just constantly trying to scrap and do whatever it takes to get ahead. It's about being satisfied. Well, or just allowing yourself to be delighted. And you can always find ways to improve, whether it's make better beer. It, just, it doesn't need to be focused on growth. I think. When it comes to growth, though, I mean, we, we've seen that shelves are a very difficult place to sell beer these days. Uh, as a consumer, if I walk in, uh, and even if I am a, you know, a regular craft drinker, I find myself intimidated uh, by all of the choice that's out there these mm-hmm. days. <clears throat> Excuse me. And one of the, I think one of the defaults that uh, folks in my position have is, yeah, you know, I haven't really heard much about this, uh, you know, this brewery at this point or, you know, oh, I don't know much. Ooh. Uh, you know, or, you know, this can looks kind of cool, but maybe it's kind of weird or, you know, there's no information on this uh, this particular can, so I don't actually know, like, what, what I'm going to get. So I'm just going to buy Sierra Nevada Pale or I'm just going to buy mm. something, you know. It, the old standby. Right, the old, the, the, the old standbys. So 
one of the things that we've obviously seen is uh, brewery tap rooms doing really well, and you guys are now set to expand that concept. Mm-hmm. And it's funny to think of brew pubs, and that's you know I, I, I think where you guys are going uh, with with, uh, with with growth. But it's funny to think of brew pubs as sort of like the next big thing in beer. But it's really becoming that way. I mean, it, it's where everybody started off, and then mm-hmm. everybody immediately moved away from it. And it's like, oh, we're putting in our 250 barrel brew house, and you know, we're going to have a small tasting room, and it's going to be jammed on the weekends, and it's going to be great. But now, we're really headed back into more intimate settings where it is also about food, and it's about community, and it's about um, it's a more personal experience. Okay, you can sit down at a brew pub and meet the person who made the beer, and talk to the people who are most passionate about it, and it's hard to be more authentic than that. You know, it, it, I think it's a very cool thing. Um, we're, we're putting in brew pubs not to step on anybody else's business. And in fact, most of our brew pubs will be focused on the beers that are brewed there, not just on the Melvin line. Um, two by four, huh? Do, do you like it or not? It's so good. Oh, okay. I just completely lost my train of thought, though. Oh, okay. Um, the brew pubs and what's going to be sold there. and Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're, we're making a more personal experience for, for people who are beer fans. We're, we're bringing it all back around, and we don't want to step on anyone else's business as we come into town. What we want to do is create a more vibrant beer scene, and I think we have an opportunity to do that in spades. You know, as you identified, 88% of people aren't drinking craft beer yet. We, we shouldn't fight over crumbs. We want to fight over the pie. What cities are you guys going into? The fun ones. Okay. So... All right, without getting too in depth there, but it's uh, was, was that not specific enough? No, no, no. But I imagine that wherever you know, we can find cheap rent. Okay, but there's a good, good bet that some of those towns already have breweries in them. So oh, yeah. why should a brewery from Wyoming? Uh, you know, isn't that isn't that what some of the larger breweries are doing right now? I mean, we we're got seeing... everybody in Wyoming drunk already. Okay, <laughs> we're moving all, on to the next party. Yes. No, but I mean... But, and they high-five. Great. But the larger you get and the more places you go, do, do you run the risk of losing that intimacy? You know, I, I, I just... I think of like, the way that, you know, Melvin, there's 10-barrel there's pubs all, all across the country. You know, it's... Uh, it's... Well, what we're hoping for is not to have, like, a cookie-cutter brew pub, but a brew pub that can be important to a town and can fit in in a way that, that's interesting and compelling. So in, in Bellingham, we call it Meldingham. Mm-hmm. How great's that name? Uh, Washington. Yep. Okay. Bellingham, Washington. Um, our pub up there is going to be focused on making Scandinavian beers. Okay. I know, right? It's Yeah. It's, you kind of caught me seven, off guard go. with that. All right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Danish. <laughs> uh, it, it, well, it's a Why? very Scandinavian town, and we thought it'd be really cool to honor that heritage mm-hmm. and make something that gets people to think about beer in a new way and honors Scandinavian tradition. So, Scandinavian beer. Okay. Get ready for that. So... Yes, it's made with real Viking semen. <laughs> Mostly. Come by on Tuesday and see how it's made. Yeah, that's... Uh... <laughs> We're going to need some help. <laughs> if you guys could just be a little quieter in your talking. Um, trying to concentrate. So everything will have that concept. Everything will have a unique to that place concept. Yes. Unless we run out of ideas, then we'll just stop. And then you'll start... Okay. Oh, okay. you'll just stop. You won't, you won't start repeating. If it's not fun, don't do it. Or if it doesn't make someone laugh when you propose it. That's also a rule at Melvin. If you have an idea and you like blurt it out in a meeting, someone has to go, ha, 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 that's dumb. I've, I've had a tough time describing what it is that Melvin is. Right? Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's... a really expensive dick joke. Oh. 
Perfect. <laughs> right? Thanks. Yeah, let's, I tattooed yeah. that on my lower back. Is that, wow. Gothic letters. They're really hard to read because I've gained some weight. Well, yeah, just use a mirror and you'll be fine. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, it, 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 it is a very IPA-forward brewery. Mm-hmm. Uh, very hop-aggressive. Uh, very punny, as I said in the beginning. As twelve. Um, you know, but it, it, it's so different than a lot of the other breweries that are out there these days. And, and, and is... I imagine that has to help with sales on some level because you're going to speak to people uh, who get it. Um, we don't but it sell. Also, we but, just help them buy. But it also has to be difficult for the people who don't get it right off the bat. Like, oh, it scares it, you know, the hell out of some people. Yeah. It, it, it's frightening to, to break out of a comfort shell and to be asked to do something that puts you in a place where you're worried about being embarrassed or you're worried about making a bad decision. Or, you know, every time we ask someone to buy one of our six-packs, they're making a $12 bet. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but even like quarter slot machines, I don't mess with. Yeah. And God, 10 years ago, I got so excited to find a new brewery and try their beers. Frankly, now I'm scared half the time. I'll like look at other people's faces and be like, well, they look kind of happy about it. I guess I'll try one. You understand, though, the leap of faith that that folks are having to take these days. Well, and I think that there's a lot of cognitive dissonance that's created by it, too. You know, if people pay $22 for a bomber of something super special from someone that has this great reputation, they don't want to admit that it actually tastes like sun-dried salmon. Right. You're just like, oh, God, geez, that this, that's tastes bad for you. So, and we were talking about that before we came on, of that a lot of the beers that should get good ratings uh, don't mm-hmm. and a lot of the beers that if you've been drinking beer long enough and you're truly honest with yourself and you trust your palate uh, you're saying how is this getting five stars or how is this getting that's got to hurt what you do oh, pretty yeah. much more than anything else so much so when I was in the wine world I used to write my own shelf talkers okay. those little tags that you hang up in yeah. front of wine and I'd just write five stars people like holy crap five stars and they'd buy the wine just sight unseen. Yeah, yeah, well, someone said five stars. Okay. Uh, my granddad had a great saying. He just always reminded me, opinions and assholes. We Everybody's all got them. Everybody's got them, yeah. Yep. Uh, and I would recommend that people remember that, too. You know, when you're reading a Yelp rating, when you're reading a review of a beer, half the time the person writing the review has no idea what they're talking about. And I'm stoked that they're writing reviews. It's amazing. But I've had so many people tell me, like, dude, your IPA is great, but it's not very buttery for style. And like that little thing breaks in your head and you're like, I don't, I'm usually not at a loss for words, but I peed a little, so I'm going to leave. Yeah. More, it needs more butter. Yeah. Huh? And and then you immediately need to find out what it is that they're drinking. Yeah. And then, yeah. It's where I was so excited about Cicerone coming on. I still am excited about Cicerone because beer needed to have a canonized body of knowledge around what quantifies good beer. We... We're able to say with authority now, this is a good beer because it lacks defect, it lacks fermentation problems, it, it's representative of style, and that's a bigger thing in beer, you know, is your IPA an IPA because the SRMs are off? Yeah. Yes, it's still a fucking IPA, let's not be idiots about it. Um, but is it free of defect? Is it free of acetaldehyde? Is it free of diacetyl? And those are the flaws that we need to call out. Now the even more interesting part is how many people are blind to those flaws, like I can't taste acetaldehyde. Sure. I can feel it. I get a really bad headache from it. Diacetyl is I'm, the one for me. I can't pick it up. Oh, utterly blind. I, and by the time I do, it means that it is filled the room. Yeah. yeah. 
Someone would just be like, ooh. Yeah, and the canary's dead Someone in the making, corner. Yeah. <laughs> smells like popcorn in here. Yeah, but for me, I can't I can't pick it up. And when yeah. I judge at uh, GABF, as I have in the past, uh, I can't, uh, when I'm doing those categories, mm-hmm. I really have to trust everybody else at the table right. uh, if they're saying that they're getting it. And then, uh, but there's also, I mean, this is this is a whole other larger argument that, that, that we can have in that uh, movie theater popcorn, butter, is perfectly fine when you're at... The movie theater. Why, why? Why shouldn't we have it in our theater? I can't smell it in like in the popcorn. Yeah. I'm just like, oh god, gross. Right. Or I was up in, in Napa doing a wine tasting last week because I live close to there and it's amazing. <laughs> but you'll you'll smell diacetyl in wine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you'd be like, oh god, yeah, sick. You get like a Chardonnay or something. And everyone and, just yeah. stares at you and you're like, no, seriously, sick. Like, right. you guys are like, oh no, we tried to put the butter in there. And you're like, well, just, I don't know what really to do nice with this. Buttery Chardonnay. Yeah. Uh, terrible but would you have said that when you were selling wine no would you have had that opinion well that's when it becomes an attribute of the wine so California style Chardonnay grew out of the desire to have a Chardonnay that paired well with Dungeness crap right so you could have something that was drenched in butter and had a nice sweetness to it and could have a wine counterpart that could hang with it so they they did extended malolactic fermentations and they're basically creating diacetyl Mm -hmm. and it's an attribute now in beer we consider it a major flaw because it's an error in fermentation. It's something that shouldn't be present there. If someone loves diacetyl and they love it in their beer, it's really hard to say, dude, bad call. Cause, cause well, actually, no, it's really personal. easy. Dude, bad call. Right. But it, but taste is personal. It is. It is. But it's also a fair guess that those people aren't going to be coming and buying your beer anyway. Typically, no. Do you give up at any point of trying <laughs> to help people? Oh, God, I love it so much. And... I'm I'm a firm believer in the fact that you never lose until you quit and that's the whole secret of life what can we consumers do better oh so much stuff okay would you guys please stop I'm trying to think of something to make fun of man I I think as consumers the, the best thing that people can do out there is believe in in themselves and believe in their own opinions and have enough faith in themselves to go out and do what they like to do and know that their opinion matters and matters to them but doesn't matter at all to somebody else so don't make fun of somebody because you have different opinions celebrate the fact that you both enjoy something uh francis ford coppola said something that it really resonated with me it was on fresh air with terry gross and Mm -hmm. my favorite interviewer ever She's asking him, like, so what's it like to be one of the most award-winning... Rude. So rude. (laughs) Sorry, second favorite. I'm, like, right here. Well, you're second to Terry Gross. How's that? Well, well, perfect. Yes. Sweet. Yes. So you got that going for you. Right. She's nice. Um, Francis Ford Coppola is talking to her, and and she says, what's it like to be one of the most award-winning and and most loved directors of all times? And he says... You know, I'm, I'm constantly waiting for someone in the back of the room to stand up and say, that guy doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. And I would just break down in tears and say, you're totally right. I totally don't know what I'm doing. But I've always had the balls to go out and do what I believe in anyhow. It's the fraud complex, yeah. Yeah, well, and it, that, that's just such a beautiful idea that we should have enough faith in ourselves to go out and do what we believe in every day. And I think so often we, we witness the death of our own souls because we stop doing what we believe. And isn't that just the essence of craft beer, that we, we believe in something so much that we're willing to, to mortgage our houses and willing to put our entire livelihoods on the line every day to get something out there that we believe in. And then as a consumer, to, to make that $12 commitment, 
to try yeah. something new to to get out there <clears throat> and then to hopefully find something that they like yeah well and and have enough bravery to settle on something you like too I, I see people so often get addicted to variety and addicted to what's next and it, it's the the equivalent of channel flipping when they go out to a multi-tap it it's amazing I mean we've said you've called uh, there's three words that you call the most dangerous in the industry Beer sells itself? No. Did we have this conversation last Dude, week? Dude, this is good. We might no. have. I drink a lot. New, rare, and local. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. No, yeah. I hate those three. Okay. They have nothing to do with how a beer tastes. Right. People get so excited about new, rare, and local, and no one of those three things has anything to do with what a beer tastes like. They're just, they're just ideas. And, oh my God, there's nothing that sells a beer better than new, rare, and local. And I've played on it. You know, it is what it is. But let's all be honest about exactly what it is. It has nothing what to do it? with beer quality. It, it's it's just well, it's just a sheen on the outside of something you're about to consume. <laughs> I thought you wanted one, Jamie. I was I was I'm not pa- taking two by four. Okay, I was just <laughs> passing beers over, and uh, well, I can sell you on one. <laughs> how, how 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 would you? How would I? Yeah. All right. So we're well, drinking. So we're, drink, with... we're drinking two by four right now. This is your uh, double IPA, one yeah. of like seventy that you guys make. Uh huh. Um, I haven't had this in a while, so I'm just going to... It's the most award-winning double IPA ever. The only beer to ever win Alpha King, Great American Beer Fest, and World Beer Cup in the same year. Uh-huh. What does that mean? We touch every can that's made with our hands. <laughs> oh, But man. they're clean. Right, you wash your hands in between use? <laughs> uh, all right, so... There's yes, a, we do. But there, uh, all right, not, great. Award, awards are that. great, but, uh, you know, I'm a guy who doesn't care about awards. Mm-hmm. Um, if you I know, were to and try and, and sell and someone on two by four... A double IPA is a double IPA. Oh, that's so not true. You know that's... John. John. I'm, I'm saying convince me. No, still, I... Mm. Mm. Um, so this isn't about trying to get you to drink this two by four buttery. as much about... <laughs> it's about me trying to understand what you need right now. And if two by four is the right choice... So talking to Jamie. Yeah. Jamie, how, how's the day going? What's up? What, what are you doing right now? Jamie Bogner, the editorial director of Craft Beer Brewing, is, is here uh, producing Chilling. the show today. Yes. Kicking it. He's helping us empty cans. He is. Making full cans into right. empty cans. Just not a two-by-four right now. Yeah, apparently. Uh, I think the, the most important thing we can do in a salesperson role is understand what somebody's looking for and then help them find it. So it might not be two-by-four, but the first thing I need to do is really hear what Jamie's looking for and, and understand what it is that he needs right now. And chances are that's not two-by-four, but sometimes it is. If you started off with, oh, dude, I just got back from my lawyer's office. This divorce is going to be brutal. I'd be like, oh, you're mine. <laughs> <laughs> Not only am I going to sell you a two by four, but we're going to go, we're going to go hit like eight strip clubs, and um, we'll be calling for bail money in Vegas in like nineteen hours. Again, but in all seriousness, I mean, because because it is a hard sell, and it is you know how does this stand out from. I'm not asking you to do a commercial for your beer here, but like you know, but but <laughs> that's ironic. I know, but but how do you get people to give you money as opposed to just picking up? Torpedo, or just picking up. I know Torpedo is not a double. Everybody, every, honestly, I, the internet is now like calling me out on that. But you know, ah. or, or picking out, you know, any number Peter's of doubles hate. that are out there these days. I don't. Like, what's a famous double? I keep picturing Siamese like who, twins when like, you say like that. Who, who'd you like to? Who'd you like to knock their uh, knock off their perch? <gasps> Nobody. I want to celebrate every double that's uh-huh. out there. Um, oh God! Any of the? Is there a hazy double? Try not to know these things. Probably. Like a New England style double yeah. IPA. Isn't that all of them? 
Oh, dude, it, Taylor Swift wrote a song for me, and I thought it was so so cool of her impression. Uh-huh. Even haters gonna hate. I hate the shit out of those hazy IPAs. I'm gonna say it. You guys won't make one. We talked about this. No, in we the might past. make one. Oh, really? Well, you know, money. <laughs> no tofty. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, no. We we we've talked about this in the past. You don't like them. You're I saying really you're don't. saying that and you have every to have, fun and have and one that's actually tasty. Yourselves and all of these things. So either you have to make one that you can actually palate, but then are you just doing it to follow the trends? What I want to do is make a New England style IPA that's crystal clear. Zima. Deal with that. Yeah, it's Zima. It's super free. Now what are you gonna super do? Nice. Yeah. Um, we got twenty eight points on Rape Beer. <laughs> By the way, Rape Beer says, "Fuck those guys. Drink Budweiser." <laughs> <laughs> I want to make those shelf tags. Man, awesome. we should have start, we started. Uh, we should have started drinking two so by four uh, before we started this. That was that was another show. Um, the uh, all right. Closing Are we thoughts. up to four fights? Yeah, pretty much at this point. All right. Um, I want to start getting to, to, to closing thoughts at this point of where do you see the future of beer in America right now? Holy Christ, dude. Well, if we get through the nuclear apocalypse, which is bound to happen in the next 45 minutes or so, yeah. Um, I, I hopefully Twitter just sees their role in that. And is like, you know what? Honestly, let's just shut this just, shit down. Just suspended. I want everyone Sorry, invested suspended. in Twitter to, to just unanimously say, we don't give a shit about our investment. Shut down the company. Let, let's save the world. <laughs> that was a good stall, but answer my question. <sighs> I didn't even think while I was stalling. Mm-hmm. That was the worst part. Uh, the future of beer Damn you is... Two by four. The future of beer is on the shoulders of the people who believe in excellence. On the shoulders of... of the consumer who recognizes their role in creating a better industry and a better world for people who work. And I don't want to get too philosophical about it, but every choice we make as consumers, every choice we make as someone who can purchase anything, needs to be informed by how that company is treating the people who produced it. And I really hope that as beer continues to advance, we continue to lead the charge to creating a better world for people who do things for a living. And not a better world for people who don't work but collect just a butt ton of money on stupid stuff. Like robbing people who work. Is that not too... That was a little no. political. No, no, no. I think that that's a, that's a good thing for... If you read between the lines, about. there's a middle finger. Oh, is there? Yeah. Pointed in the right way. Pointed to only like 1% of the population. But still. Mm-hmm. It's a big middle finger. If people like want to... F- Hall. <laughs> Jesus. Man, you're just like, this is just like one just weird pop culture reference after the other. This is it's this, not even pop culture. Everyone fun. born before like 1975 is like, oh yeah, remember that guy? Right. Who? I wonder how he is. Right. How's he doing? He was in uh, Coming to America. Mm hmm. Right. Had all the toothbrushes. Right now I'm washing lettuce, you see. <laughs> but soon I'll be on fries. <laughs> soon enough. Looking um, good, Mortimer. If people want to, that's a whole other movie. If people want, well, I don't think but, Arsidio Hall is But a doesn't man. it cross across? Oh, they are Remember in that, aren't the they? All We're right. back in business All with right. the toothbrushes. See how I brought that full circle? And Man, if I could just get McDougal's is, uh, to serve some beer, we'd be McDowell's. Fine. Oh, uh, there it is. All right, before the wheels come off of this too much, and I know you have to uh, <laughs> go wheels? hang out with uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan in a few yeah. minutes, and, uh, people can read all about that on your website, which is 
www.melvinbrewing.com backslash GABF if you want to come out and hang with us this week. If you've never seen this a grown man air, throw up on air, himself... This is going to air like weeks after GABF. If you oh, think this is live If you want to right see what now, you missed, check right. out this old page that is probably stashed somewhere in Yahoo's servers. Good, along with your personal information. Fantastic. Uh, all, all my Equifax is online. You can check that out. Ted Whitney of Melvin Brewing Company. Thanks so much for having us here. Thanks so much for uh, a candid conversation on a a part that we don't actually get to see uh, all that often. I can't wait for the inevitable fights to come out of this. Uh, And you can join the conversation on beerandbrewing.com along with our Twitter. You can reach out to me specifically at uh, John Hall at Beer and Brewing or on Twitter at John underscore Hall. It's H-O-L-L. Let me know what you think of what Ted said and I'll give you his uh, his home phone number uh, so you <laughs> yes. can call him. I only have um, a cell phone. I want you guys to know that John held his hand up in the air that entire talk. Uh, yes, I did. Uh, <laughs> in, in this very magnanimous way of uh, friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ear. Yes, um, the Kenneth Branagh of beer. We appreciate you all listening. Uh, we do this for you, and we do this mm. because we care about independent journalism in beer. And so if you care about that as well, uh, please uh, consider a subscription, not only to this podcast, subscribe to that, but also to the magazine, Craft Beer and Brewing. Uh, you can find all of the information at Craft Beer, or, I'm sorry, beerandbrewing.com. And we'll be back certainly, again in, oh, sorry, what? Uh, I was going to say, certainly some of the best writing in beer right now. Well, I think so. We, we are so excited about the magazine. We're so excited about the articles that come out. And uh, I read it for the articles. I was talking to Tasty and Randy Griggs the other night, and I'm going to throw up. <laughs> wow. What up, Randy Griggs? Wow. Um, but the we beer and brewing came tasty. up. Yeah. Did it really? <laughs> tasty. Yeah. If you guys haven't met Tasty, get his cookies. Yes. I mean yeah. that in Just every sense of the word. Just ask him if he has something delicious for you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it sounds <laughs> that weird. That was a weird visual. It sounds weird, and then you lose four days. But anyway, yes, please. Mm. Please, please continue, continue stepping on my ending here, please. Uh, so you were with Randy Griggs and Tasty the other day. Well, we're talking about how cool the magazine is it's and how relevant it is and how, how fast it gets on top of things going on in beer. Because the industry does go really fast these days. And if you guys want to stay in the loop, you've got to be supporting people who stay on top of what's happening in beer. So if you're part of the group that agrees with everything that Ted said earlier today, uh, or please... Or you're dumb. <laughs> Please consider a subscription and uh, let us know what you think of all of this. And again, thanks so much, Ted, for being here. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll be back again in two weeks with a brand new episode. And cheers. And new edition. I'm going to go pee. Start off 2018 right with a trip to Breckenridge, Colorado for the annual Big Beers, Belgians, and Barley Wines Festival. January 4th through 6th, meet top brewers from around the country, enjoy world-class skiing and snowboarding, attend special beer dinners, and taste some strong, inventive, and warming beers with fellow enthusiasts. Check out BigBeersFestival.com for more information. This podcast is brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those that love to make and drink great beer. Learn more online or subscribe at beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at craftbeerbrew.